ho, ho. Welcome back to Last Call Baseball, number 140. I'm Dorian. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Io Saturnalia. For any of you who still worship the ancient Roman gods, we're coming to you every other week. We're celebrating the holidays. A lot has happened in the last two weeks since we last saw each other. And yes, I'm talking about the Nicaraguan Winter League again. The season's over. My team, the Tigres de Chinandega, the Tigers from the town of Chinandega, finished in tied for first place in the Nicaraguan Winter Baseball League with a record of 19 and 13. That doesn't really sound that impressive. They tied with Leones de Leon, the Lions from the City of Lion, Lions. But the Tigers finished the December schedule on fire. They were 11-3. and three, And now in the round robin, so, the, so in the Nicaraguan Winter League, they don't go in playoffs. They go round robin. So there's four teams in the round robin. Everyone plays each other, I believe, it's a total of 10 games. And, and then the two teams with the best record, then they play in the championship series. And right now, the Tigres are undefeated. Two wins, no losses. And what I love about watching... The, the these games on YouTube is just like in Major League Baseball. You can you can hear what the music they're playing at the stadium, and I and I know that whoever the DJ is at the 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 stadium where the Tigers play, he is a man of a certain age because he does not stop playing '90s dance songs left and right. I'm gonna guess this dude is probably in his 40s or 50 because that's the only thing he plays, and the rally trumpet. And not only does this dude make me laugh, and I love his music choices, I also laughed earlier this month, back on the the December back on December first, there was a random orange cat that, that just jolts onto the field in the middle of a Tigres and a Tren del Norte team, the train of the north. That was really funny because sometimes you'll see a dog randomly wander onto onto the playing field in in one of these Nicaraguan winter baseball leagues. So I'm looking forward to the round robin. We'll see if the Tigres has finished strong enough. And I don't think they've won the championship in a pretty long time. So hopefully they can, next time we talk, they're going to bring home the championship, baby. Who else is thinking about bringing home the championship? Someone by the name of St. Nick visited LA early and often this month. The big news from Los Angeles was that Tyler Glasnow and Manuel Margot joined the LA Dodgers. And oh yeah, Shohei Otani also signed with the LA Dodgers. As did Santa came back to Dodger Stadium and brought with him Yamamoto, the fantastic, phenomenal Japanese pitcher, also signed with the LA Dodgers. I couldn't believe what I read about the New York Yankees that they were also after Yamamoto. They offered Yamamoto a $300 million contract and they declined to match the Dodgers offer to Yamamoto and his agent because the Yankees actually said this publicly out loud. They didn't want to offer more than what Garrett Cole's contract is. I think Garrett Cole's on a $324 million contract. It's like, why would you put that on another player? What does he have anything to do with it? You highly doubt that Cy Young winner, Garrett Cole called up the Yankees front office to say, hey, listen, guys, don't you dare let someone on this team make more money than me. That's insane. If that was the case, why did they hurt Giancarlo Stan's feelings when they offered a much bigger contract to Aaron Judge than what Giancarlo Stan is currently getting paid? I've lost faith in that team, the the 
the brain trust of Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman. I don't know what they're going to do. Why am I repeating myself? I said this two weeks ago. The New York Yankees aren't going to be any different than they were in 2023. The 2024 team isn't going to be any different than the 2023 team. Come on, man. Don't 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 throw out your, your star ace Cy Young winning pitcher like that and saying, oh, it was because of him that we didn't want to offer someone else more money. You know, maybe at the end of the day, Yamamoto didn't want to play in the cold. It's cold in New York City. It's cold in a lot of places. Thankfully, we're where the Tigres play, it's not cold. And our next guest was a pitcher himself who lives in paradise. This week, our special guest is Karsten Whitson, the assistant coach, specifically pitching coach, at the Florida International University baseball program. Coach Whitson, welcome to Last Call Baseball. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I'm I'm a big FIU baseball baseball fan. Before we get to talk about college baseball, I've been to a lot of places in the state of Florida, and by a lot, I mean just Tampa and Miami. Mm-hmm. I have never heard of your hometown, Chipley. Tell us about Chipley, Florida. Yeah, it's a big city of Chipley, Florida. I'm kind of surprised that you haven't heard about us, man. We're up there. Uh, we're up there in the Panhandle, you know. So really, I don't even know if it if it really counts as as being a part of Florida anymore. It's basically Lower Alabama. But, uh, no, it's you know. Hometown. So I actually, I actually originally grew up in Bartow, Florida, which is central Florida, um, right there in Polk County. And then we moved to the Panhandle after my freshman year of high school to the big city up there of uh, Chipley. And um, that's where my, my parents originally are from. And so it was kind of a family move that we did there. And, and, and how can I explain it? I mean, it's a basically it's like a two uh, you know traffic traffic light town. And um, we do have the Walmart there in Chipley. So we get to draw some some crowds from the other small towns in the area, but, uh, no, you know, it was a good place to, to kind of grow up there through high school. And, um, anytime that I'm feeling maybe the busyness of, of, uh, you know, Tampa or Miami or anywhere, if, if I'm on the road, it's nice to get back home and kind of uh, slow down a little bit. Definitely a, a slower pace of living up there. Yeah. Welcome to Miami, which is, uh, <laughs> you, you'll fit, you'll, you'll feel right at home then. No doubt. No doubt. Cause going, going from Chipley and then, one of the one of the reasons you you're very well qualified to be the, the new pitching coach at FIU is you yourself used to be a pitcher at one of the premier college baseball programs in Gainesville, where a lot of Miamians go to the University of Florida. Tell us about some of your yeah your memories or your experiences as as a Gator. Yeah, I mean, getting the opportunity to pitch at the University of Florida was a dream come true for me. Both my parents are are Florida graduates and. Um, you know, grew up going to a bunch of games as a kid, uh, football, baseball, basketball, kind of doing all of it, you know, so definitely got, definitely felt, you know, what that fan base was like as a kid and, and kind of its national reach, obviously the alumni base. So definitely a, a surreal moment to get to play for, for Florida. And it was great. You know, it was obviously, um, you know, the culture is really good there and coach O'Sullivan's done a tremendous job, obviously before him, you know, Pat McMahon. Took the team in 05, I believe, to the College World Series, kind of right when I was coming through middle school. So get to see the Gators in Omaha there. And then um, having a chance to go twice as a player was was dream come true for me. So, um, you know, wouldn't change it for the world. And obviously, like you said, got to got to form some strong bonds, not only with guys from South Florida, but all across the country. So that's always the biggest piece of it, too, is those lasting relationships that you have. You're totally right on the on the huge alumni base of University of Florida, and I'm going to tell you this in a in a in a kidding way: the UF fans are so annoying. And I no tell you problem. this because I have I have cousins. I have a lot of cousins who went to <laughs> UF. I mean, and they're like in their 40s and 50s, and they are 
gatored out. Yep. <laughs> you know, go and watch college, the college football games, the college basketball games. When I give them gifts, obviously now we're in the holiday season. It's super easy. You just get them like a UF uh, a golf, golf yeah. uh, dry fit shirt. It's and they are in heaven. You can't go wrong. Yeah, anything with a gator head on it or orange and blue, I think you're in the clear. So just don't get your colors mixed up. You throw some garnet and gold in there, it might be some some fighting going on around the holidays. That That's true, yeah. <laughs> and I also have family that went to uh, FSU and all over the schools in Florida. And I love talking SEC baseball. You're you're, uh, you're actually the second person from an SEC school. Uh, just, uh, just a year ago, I spoke with someone from LSU, and it's just – I love talking about the, the the amount of resources that are in SEC school. And yeah, what what was your first impression when you obviously went from this SEC this excuse me college baseball powerhouse? You get drafted into the Boston Red Sox organization. Is what was your first impressions when it comes to like things like facilities from the SEC college baseball, and then you're now a professional baseball player? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you got to go back to it. You know, my last year at UF uh, was 2014. So I guess it's crazy to say, you know, this is 10 years that I've been removed from from college baseball as a player. So just what the facilities have looked like in those 10 years, you know, Florida has a new stadium. I think everyone in the SEC and, you know, Power Five has, has done major renovations to their stadium, at least within the last five years. So you know, you're really looking at, you know, guys are at are really at AAA facilities, you know. So I think when you get drafted, um, if, if you're a player at the University of Florida and, you know, you're in a $65 million facility and you get drafted, they send you to rookie ball and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Lowell, Massachusetts, you probably get off the bus and, and walk to the stadium and, and like, hey, uh, can I go back to Gainesville? Like, where's the showers? Where's the training room? You know, what we got going on here? But obviously, the, you know, that's part of the grind on the minor league side, which I really – that was great too, because those guys that 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 grind it out, man, for five six years, get to the big leagues. They see all sides of it, so really start to the bottom, work their way up. But uh, but yeah, you know, it definitely humbles you a little bit and kind of brings you back. Say, hey, here's what you got to do, man. I don't care where you play, Power Five. You're in the minor leagues now, and you got to work your way back up. So, uh, but you're right. I mean, the the resources are just. I mean, it's almost it, it's like Disneyland for these guys, man. I mean, the resources they have. It's it's not even real. You know, it's. It's pretty cool, but um, I mean, you see it on the field. I mean, guys are physical, you know. Guys are are, are recovering and 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 they're they're available, you know, more often. So you know, those guys take advantage of those resources. It's definitely going to set them up. When was it in your life? Doesn't have to be your career that you decided that you were like, you know, I want to stay in baseball, but I actually want to give back. Like, what 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 was that moment? I always find that interesting. It's like we all I love baseball, but I yeah. I can't coach it. I have no desire to coach it. When when did that start forming for you? Yeah, I think, you know, listen, I'm I'm a, a byproduct of two teachers, you know, really at heart. My mom's been a teacher for, you know, I, I guess she's coming up on 28 years now. And, and my dad, um, you know, coached me all my life, really. So I think I've, I've kind of just hardwired a little bit to, to be a teacher, coach, you know, just in, in that, you know, opportunity, you know, that space to help players, help kids. So I think, too, you know, unique to me, and, and obviously a lot of guys go through this, is when you spend a few years in the training room, you know, your mind starts to wander a little bit, you know, Hey, what's, what's plan B going to look like if this thing doesn't work out? You know, I had two shoulder surgeries, missed some, missed some time um, at UF and 13 with a forearm strain. So, you know, I think when you're not playing, you, you try to bring value to your team as well. And I think that's probably where that started to turn into the love of, of, all right, what's this coach? I'm, I'm starting to get this coaching bug a little bit, even though I was still playing, I was seeing the game from a different perspective because I wasn't playing, I was hurt. So, 
um, you know, hey, I'm grabbing an extra chart to do during a game. You know, what do I got on this? You know, reading hitters, trying to, you know, just trying to bring value. And then, and then that kind of turns into, okay, could I do this for a living? You know, if my career ended in the next couple of years, is this something that I could do for a living? And I think that's kind of how it all started for me. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to you working with the pitching staff and all the new recruits that the whole coach, yeah, the whole coaching staff is also bringing into uh, Florida International University. Because, like I said, it's uh, there's another really good college powerhouse right across right across town at you yeah. at Miami, aka the University of Coral Gables. That's right, <laughs> no doubt. I've noticed that on your Twitter is that you, I don't want to say you love coffee, but you do love coffee. I've seen a lot of coffee. Pi- uh, pictures that you post on twitter what did that just come uh from riding buses late at night like with a minor league team or is it just when you when you and your family moved to miami specifically the the cuban cortaditos yeah the commitment coladas right i don't know i think that just kind of happened organically i think uh you know when when i started coming into the office in, in early august preparing for the fall um, one of our assistants uh, frankie Navarrete of Cuban descent. He's a uh, native to Miami, went to Christopher Columbus and um, he's like, Hey, let's go get a colada. I'm like, colada, what's that? He's a like, bro. He's like a, a colada. So I'm like, all right. So I go from, you know, my first day he's dragging me to cafe Bustelo on campus. You know, we're getting a colada and I'm thinking I'm getting like, you know, a grande, you know, Starbucks size thing that I'm drinking. I'm like, why is it so small? He put like, some whipped cream in it as well. No doubt. No doubt. So, I got educated very quickly on that, on that and the benefits of, of having one, man, there's, there's nothing wrong. You know, when you need a little pick me up, you know, that's, that's the place to go. And, um, you know, fast forward, you know, a couple months later, now Frankie makes me order um, in Spanish when I go there. So that's always fun, but, uh, no, it's, it's been great. The culture has been awesome. And, um, yeah, I think just, you know, it just happened. We, we actually got our first commitment the first time he took me and I'm like, Hey, commitment colada, there you go. So, I think that's, it's going to stick. I, th- I, I think it's here to stay. That's a good recruiting tool, actually. I never thought about that, especially for those who are outside of the maybe like South Florida region who's not, who are not these young men who are not uh, yet familiar with uh, the, the famous Cuban coffee. It's funny. There was actually so, you know, we did it a couple of times. We, we got a few commitments. It was I had a chance to get on the road um, in, in late July, early August to see some guys. And we actually got a couple commitments. And it's funny. I actually had a kid message me on Twitter. He goes, hey, coach. I'm looking to, to be your next commitment colada here. So I was like, man, this thing's sticking with, with recruits too. So we're going to keep rolling with it. I love it. I love <laughs> it. I, you know what? I am not embarrassed to say this. Number one, I'm a big baseball fan, whether it's the college level, uh, minors, and I'm very excited for the City del Caribe that is coming into Miami, the Caribbean series yeah. in February. I'm already, I've already got my games that I'm going to, you know, buy tickets to my, and my family. We're going to go to a bunch of games. It's so much fun. It's going to be so much fun because I actually went to the World Baseball Classic earlier this year, also in Miami. Yeah. But regardless of that, I watch a lot of baseball. I am not embarrassed to say, coach, how in the world can you tell as just a fan? the break of a pitch because unless it's like those that 12 six drop coming Mm -hmm. from a pitcher's hand or like an um, incredible slider with like eight inches of give you know when they're saying oh that was a good cutter that was a good fastball that was i'm like sure it the the hit the hitter didn't hit it so that's the batter didn't hit it so that's a good thing what's like a tip you can give someone like me who's not embarrassed to admit i can't tell the difference between (laughs) a lot of those pitches well, I, first off, I'll say I don't blame it because everything is hard in today's game, right? Like everything is hard. So, uh, you know, the the discrepancies in velocity, it's, you know, it seems like everybody's throwing 100 with 90 plus off speed. It's crazy. But um, I don't know. I think it's just something, you know, you develop kind of an eye for it the more you watch the game. And 
you know, I think if you know a little bit about the pitcher and you kind of pay attention to warm-ups, you can kind of get a feel for what what pitch mix he's using in warm-ups. And then from there, you kind of go, okay, well, there's the cutter, there's the slider. But, um, you know, in-game, on the fly, man, if you're walking in in the second inning and you're trying to figure it out, you know, I think just, you know, best bet, you know, see, ho- hopefully you can see a few fastballs, what that looks like, and then anything under that, you just, you know, it's an educated guess in terms of velocity. So, but, um, yeah, these these guys, man, the stuff they have is unreal in today's game. I was trying to remember, in person, I remember there was an Atlanta Braves pitcher. I, I, he used to pitch with the uh, Washington Nationals, and he went to, with the, to the Braves, like, or circa 2017, 2016. Mm-hmm. I think it was Sanchez. He threw, like, 55, 60 mile an hour uh, changeup in okay. person. That was, I was, I remember being at City Field and watching it. And I'm like, oh my God, you, you're obviously you're seeing the radar gun as well. It was like he was pitching like 61 and the guys were, you know, swinging out of their, 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 their cleats. And that, that was one of the few times that I, you can actually tell because it's such right. a discrepancy between pitching 60 and, you know, 90 plus. But, um, okay. So then you're saying that as a fan, I should do a little bit of scouting. On whoever hey, the yeah, pitches, hey, like I'm gonna start looking to. for the pitches that go either lateral or vertical. Yeah, you have to, and I think you know, Baseball Savant is a great website. You can pull that up right on your phone. Go to Pitch Mix, and it actually shows you some visuals. You know, it, it kind of takes you through what each pitch looks like, and um, depending on where you're sitting at, you know, in the building, if you have a good spot there behind home plate, you know, I think you can probably, you know, you probably do better than you think. Picking up on that, sitting behind home plate, that was me my follow-up question because obviously as a coach, the, the coaching and also the baseball players, you guys are in the dugout. But as a fan, where would you say it's best to to watch or even – like I, we're not really scouting, but let's say enjoy a pitcher because I love pitching more than 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 hitting when it comes to baseball. For sure. I mean, it's, it's hard to beat, you know, behind home plate. Um, but the thing about it, you, you can't be too low. You know, for me, anytime I've been like – ground level you know lower e- even at inner squads because we do have that that home plate suite there at fiu it's tough to really see like if a right-handed hitter gets in the box and you're kind of off to the side you, the hitter kind of blocks your view so you have to make sure if you can get on that mid-level mid-tier okay so so not bottom not very top but middle now you kind of get yourself above the hitter um just gives you a great vantage point to see because i i, I do you know as much science as there is and data in today's game with pitchers, there, there, there still remains an art to it, you know. So I, I love seeing guys setting up hitters, guys, you know, when you see that catcher starting to lean in and get in tight on a hitter, you're like, all right, here comes a fastball in, right? Like, you know, let's see if he can get it in there. I think that's cool. You know, you see the game, everything's in front of you, defensive positioning, a guy, you know, getting first to third on a hit, you know, you kind of see everything unfold right there in front of you. I think, you know, just the, the, the beauty of the game, you know, lies in some of those plays as well. That's good to know because I do enjoy going, not just watching baseball on TV, but also going in person. And I usually try to buy tickets basically in between uh, either home and third and the lower bowl, home and third or home and first. But uh, we'll see about getting closer behind the the catcher. And you hit on something that I also wanted to bring up, that amazing suite that you guys have now at FIU. I think it just started, I think, last year. But I did. I was on that email blast. It's like, oh, we have this new suite. It comes with like 20 or 30 tickets. And I'm like that looks like an amazing vantage point to watch a baseball game. And I was like scratching my head and it's like, can I get together at least 20 people to come watch an FIU baseball game with me? Yeah. Cause sure. it looks amazing. That suite that you guys have. Cause I don't, I'm not, I don't know about the SC. I'm sure they have a bunch of suites, but yeah. that's the first one that I know of. Yeah. It, it's really nice. I mean, I think especially at the mid major level, you know, to have something like that for alumni donors, it's just a great space. Um, you know, we utilize it in the fall for official visits. You know, we bring families in there. They get to watch an inner squad. Uh, there's TVs in there. There's there's a kitchen. 
you know, you can get a colada in there, you know, there's drinks or there. So it's, it'd be a great time. You know, that, that, that would be something, you know, I'm sure you could find, you know, 20, 30 people and, and get in there for, for a game. There's actually seats so you can go outside of, of the suite and sit, you know, if it's a cooler night, you want to catch some of the nicer weather, you want to hear, you know, crack of the bat, hear the fans, um, you can get out there. And then if you want to come inside, maybe watch, you know, maybe there's another game on TV with ESPN plus. Now you get the ability to watch so many good games in college baseball. So, yeah, I'm excited to see kind of that that turnout there. I know my wife is looking forward to maybe sneaking in there when when it's you know there's not 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 too much traffic in there on a maybe a midweek game. She can get in there for a few innings. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Coach. If I manage to get some cousins and friends to come in there, she's more your your family's there more invited to come watch Thank the game you. with us. Awesome. I'll <laughs> let her know. I appreciate it. Of course. You know, reading up, I noticed you've played at UF. You've coached at University of Southern Florida in in Tampa or University of Southern, excuse me, University of South Florida. And now I hope you stay at, at FIU for a long time and have a successful career. And but what but UF, USF, FIU, God forbid, do you ever see yourself working at FSU? <laughs> um, I don't know. You know, I guess, you know, it, it, I'd have to, you know, do some soul searching on that one. But, you know, it's definitely um in all seriousness, I mean, it's it's definitely a historic program, you know, for sure. So I, I've been around a lot of parts of the state, whether playing, recruiting, you know, coaching now. Um, I got my start at Pensacola State Junior College for two years. So, you know, I had to stop there at Pensacola. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, those programs with the rich history, they've been doing a good job for a long time. So, you know, something to be proud of. I, I notice you're always picking places with beautiful beaches. I tell people all the time that the western part of Florida – have the, basically from Pensacola down to Naples have mm -hmm. the most beautiful beaches in the continental U.S. And people are really surprised. People, you know, think of like Laguna Beach or even like Miami. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like go to Clearwater, go to Pensacola, yeah. go to Naples. It, 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 it's unbelievable. It is. It is. And I think, too, you know, the, the further north you get up into the panhandle, the the beaches remain the same. I mean, one of our favorite spots would, that we would go when we were in Tampa is Siesta Key. Uh, just a beautiful spot. But the thing that I love about the Panhandle specifically, you get into like these smaller towns that are on the beach, Navarre, Fort Walton Beach, you know, Destin, Panama City, you know, a lot of people have heard of, obviously, but there's still some places up there that are untapped where, you know, you can get the beach, the luxuries of the white sand, the Emerald Coast, and and not really have as much traffic, you know, the, the people. So I think that's still cool, you know, so maybe, maybe we won't tell a lot of people about that um, because we still have a few spots there that we'll go if we won't want to get the beach but not have all the all, all the traffic and, and tourists but that's one thing that i really love about the panhandle like i said there's still some some un unchartered uh, beaches up there that a lot of people don't know about well i might have to cut this out of the podcast because we don't want other people <laughs> to be going down i'm joking go go they don't anybody we'll be fine i know one place that definitely does not have beaches is iowa and i noticed when when fiu released their their schedule i think it was about a week or so ago you guys are going to travel. Is it? Are you guys traveling to Iowa or is Iowa coming no. to, to Miami? You guys are traveling to Iowa. We're going there. How in the world? I admit, This may have been happening before before you, you joined the program, but how in the world did that happen? Because I don't think FIU has ever played Iowa, much less okay. go out to the middle of the country. Yeah, so in our league this year, you know, we're a nine-team league. Next year, we'll go to a 10-team league with the addition of Kennesaw State. Um, but every team in the league this year has has basically two bye weeks in the middle of conference play, which is which is unique. You know, like the SEC, ACC, they kind of play all the way through. Uh, but we have two bye weeks. So one of those weeks we're hosting Walford, which is nice. You know, we get to stay home 
And then just the timing of, of when that bye week was, it was the last weekend of the season. So um, I actually asked Coach Witten the same thing. I said, Coach, what do we got? We got Iowa, you know, the last weekend. He explained it to me. He's like, listen, we had two options, and Iowa was the best. So, you know, going to take care of us, and they're going to get us up there and, and, and put us up in a nice hotel, and, and you know, we're going to play them three games. And, you know, what's funny is we actually have three kids from Iowa. So <laughs> we have three three pitchers from Iowa. Um, so it'll be a, a – homecoming for them which is kind of you know neat and uh but yeah i'm actually looking forward to it you know i was a really good program especially you know they've come on strong the last couple of years and um you know they've they've produced some really good arms so i think that's going to be a really good test for us heading into our conference tournament absolutely that, yeah that that is a that's a tremendous test uh, especially you know high level so to yeah get you said get ready for the um conference tournament Iowa obviously popped out at me because the other the other teams are more or less known. Obviously, you're going to play UM a couple of times, and they they come to FIU. You go over to University of Coral Gables. I did see this was before your time that the other time they had a prestigious on end of season one was when FIU went to go play Vanderbilt. I think mm-hmm. that might have been right was, where maybe you're at a UF. It was like in fourteen or sixteen or something, and okay. I actually wanted to go to Nashville to to for that series, but I didn't get a chance to. But that I mean the SEC is that's. That's 800 pound gorilla, like UF, Vanderbilt, LSU. When I think about schools like Iowa, Boston College, North Dakota, I never associate them with college baseball because it's just frozen all there for most of the year. And then I always associate them with college, uh, what is it, ice hockey. And these are big powerhouses. But I never even knew that Iowa had, I know they have a football program and a basketball program, but yeah, but I had no idea they were a baseball program. So yeah, yeah. It should be, like you said, it should be exciting. For sure, it will be. You've obviously played at a high level in college baseball. You've, mm-hmm. you've, you're gaining even more tremendous experience across the, the great sunshine state in college baseball. If you were the czar of college baseball with unlimited powers to change all the things that you want to, but with us, share one or two things that you would do to improve in any aspect as you as a player or coach in your experience in college baseball. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm speaking for all pitchers here, so... I think we got to let the pitchers hit, you know, we got to, we got to make those guys hit, you know, get the DH out of there. You know, these guys reach as these pitchers, gripe. My guys gripe all the time. Coach, let me hit. When are we going to hit? When are we going to hit? All right. Well, Hey, you're hitting nine hole today and you're facing the guy on the mounds, you know, a projected first rounder. So have fun today. And, you know, then that probably gives me some ammunition be like, Hey, I told you so, you know, stick to pitching buddy. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of POs out there that still think they can swing it. I, I think just for pure entertainment standpoint, you know, getting the pitcher in the lineup would be would be outstanding. You know, so we'd probably have to, you know, do some trial there and, and see how that goes. Um, You'd have to change to four outs in innings as opposed to three because yeah. that's an automatic out right there. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I, you know, hey, and I, I'm telling you, there's some sleepers out there for sure that might surprise you. I don't – Jack Caglione, there's probably only one of him, I can assure you. But, you know, there might be some – some uh, poor man versions of them, you know, laying around somewhere. But, you know, that, that, you know, would probably be the thing, one thing. And then, um, you know, I just think it's harder, man, you know, just from a scholarship standpoint, you know, trying to field a team. I, I, I think the more scholarships that we have, the more opportunities we can give to kids, which I think, you know, when you talk about growing the game, um, you know, 11.7 scholarships to fill a 40-man roster is tough. You know, when you want to include more people in our game, which is what coaches are talking about, they're – seems like every year in Major League Baseball, they're talking about, you know, inclusion and, and, and being more diverse. Well, give us more more resources to include more people into our game. I think that'd be one thing that I would do is, is give every school, you know, as, as many scholarships as, as we could give them, you know, like football or basketball, fully fund, you know, the baseball program so that then we can go really, really recruit 
um, whoever we want that's good enough to play here and, and not have to, you know, look into, you know, background and financials and, you know, all that stuff, uh, you know, as well. So I think it'll open up the doors to a lot more kids for sure. Yeah. Baseball is obviously baseball is not a cheap sport to play right. as you're growing up and you're hitting a lot of the points that I've had in mind of I've heard of this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how big the big college baseball program is, where it is. What is that restriction on only having 11.7, that insane number of scholarships per team? Why? Where does that come from? Um, they they changed the rule. I want to go. I want to say about 15 years ago, 15 to 20 years ago, and, and it could be further than that. You know, I, I keep forgetting that every year I get a little bit older, so you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm further removed from it. But you know, I, I think it goes back to Title IX a little bit too. You know, trying to balance that out. So, but like I said, I think there's there's a lot of coaches that have voiced their opinions on, hey, if if we have a 40 man roster, then and you can give us, you know. 30 scholarships. That, that's great. There's a misconception that when kids go through the recruiting process, you know, some kids would be like, yeah, I'm getting a full ride from FIU, you know, baseball, I'm doing this. And a lot of people think like, oh, like baseball programs don't give out full ride. I mean, we do, we can, right. But once again, you give out one full scholarship of your 11.7 to one player, it, it just makes it harder to field a team. So um, that's why it doesn't happen often, but it can happen. Um, you know, you just try to break it up as much as you can. And then there's a, so there is a minimum, you know, so if a kid is put on scholarship, there is a minimum requirement of at least 25%, you know, that factors in as well. But, um, yeah, it's just something that we've been doing for the last uh, couple of years. And I'm, you know, ho hopeful that we can have a little bit more resources to, to give kids opportunities. Absolutely. And my last question on that scholarship, and basically you said growing the game, making it available for young men to go to a good school, college, and play baseball, wherever it may be, is that restricted where you think, again, you think about the SEC schools that are have much more resources. If a donor were to say, I want to fund 10 additional baseball scholarships, is that even legal? Do they have to then just do like the academic route? Like, oh, I really want athletes who are really good with aluminum bat who might yeah. go to my school, like that type? Or is it? can you do it directly if you're a donor? Well, I mean, now with, with NIL, you know, name, name, image, likeness, you know, that's where, you know, baseball, you're starting to see it a lot more, right? Um, football, it's, it's a frenzy right now before signing day. I mean, you're, every day it seems like good players from good programs are leaving just to, to get that bag, right? To get, you know, to get paid, you know, in baseball. So 11.7 is a hard number. A donor couldn't come in and say, hey, I want a fund to get X amount more scholarships. But with the new NIL, you know, landscape that we're in, they can easily say, hey, you know, this kid, you know, somebody that I'd like to, you know, help out, use his, his name, image, and likeness to his advantage. And, you know, we'll set something up and, and supplement him through his years here at, you know, XYZ University. That's that's definitely opened up Pandora's box there with a lot of other issues. But, you know, it's definitely an option for, for now alumni and donors to play GM a little bit. <laughs> that's that's really good. For some reason, here I am thinking like old school, like 90, 2000s. You know, NIL, uh, I, yeah, I totally forgot about NIL, which obviously is humongous in football. And there are all these young men who are like, well, I'm actually getting paid more or less the same amount as I would be as a second rounder in the National Football League. And like I said, yeah, I don't know so much about the MLB because a lot of those good juniors, they'll go, they'll go pro, uh, obviously, like right. Paul Skeens, uh, the the all-world pitcher from LSU. I don't know if he, he still has a year of eligibility. Maybe he changes his mind and comes back and transfers to FIU. Fingers crossed, not <laughs> likely. Yeah, no doubt. He got paid. I think he's good. Yeah, he, yeah. I think he got like the second highest signing bonus, so like seven. Is it seven or nine? 
It was some crooked number. I don't know. It was crazy, but congratulations yeah. to uh, Polsk. Yeah, no doubt. George, I'm going to ask you one last question of when it comes to college baseball is what are you looking forward to now in your first year as as part of the FIU college uh, college baseball program? Yeah, I think just, you know, just the opportunity, you know, getting down here with Coach Witten, you know, when I went through the interview process this summer, it seemed like every time that I got off the phone with him, I could really feel kind of his conviction and his excitement on where this program could be. And that's something too, you know, being a native of Florida and playing at Florida, coaching in Florida the last six years, recruiting in the state, you know, you've always looked at FIU and have gone, hey, there's, you know, a school that's right there in a hotbed of talent. You know, they've, they've got nice facilities. It, you know, the campus is beautiful. The area is great. So, you know, what's what's kind of been, you know, holding them back a little bit. And I think talking to Coach, man, we have all the resources we need to, to do what we want to do and, you know, get, get FIU back into a regional and, and win Conference USA. So I'm really looking forward to, you know, being in a place that, that has the opportunity for so much growth. I think that that was, was really appealing to me. You know, it's easy to, to kind of go somewhere that's already at the top and you just kind of fill in and keep it rolling. But to really have, you know, put your hands on something and, and, and make it better and just be a small part of that, I think, was really appealing for me. And I'm just excited for our players because they've worked really hard. And especially the kids that have been in the program, you know, for, for four or five years, they're, man, they're hungry. You know, and they, they, they want to be a part of a winner. I'm really excited for this season for them. Amen. I'm, I'm excited, too. So I'm, I'm, look, I'm look forward to uh, catching a couple of games at uh at FIU Stadium. Sure. Speaking of the good area in being obviously in Miami, when we go watch an FIU baseball game, before or after the before we after the game, what's a a place so far that you like for uh colada or yeah. food or drink that you've uh, come across in Miami in your time? Yeah, for sure. So so my wife and I are actually um, up in Cooper City. That's kind of where we landed. Um so we I kind of get the best of both worlds, you know, I get to come down to Miami Dade there, um, FIU and, and, and kind of immerse myself on campus and around that community. And then, you know, then when I go home, I'm not too far from Fort Lauderdale. My wife and I like to get out and try different things and, um, you know, Pembroke Pines, that whole area. So I think, I think, you know, one place that's kind of grown on us a little bit is Vicky, uh, Vicky Bakery, of course, you know, so that place, you know, there's one on campus, uh, Cafe Bustello, you know, there's a ton of other places that, that we have yet to, to try out, but, Cali coffee. My wife loves a good Cali coffee. It's a place that you pull through and, and can get a, a a high amount of sugar in your coffee, but she loves that. So, so we've been doing that a little bit, but um, yeah, I think, I think for coffee, that's the, the three places we've been kind of, seems like we find ourselves at quite frequently for sure. I, I haven't had the Cali coffee yet, but obviously I've had a bunch of uh, a Cuban coffee. Yeah. Uh, Coach Whitson, I want to I want to thank you for joining us this week. Let us know where we can find you on social media or even the college baseball program, and obviously uh, season tickets. Yeah, for sure. At, at Whitson Carson uh, Twitter handle, and then um, yeah, go on our website. You know, um, FIU athletics baseball season tickets. We've got I think we've got like a double play pass going right now. So um, come check us out. It's going to be a good year. You know, we're really excited. Uh, we just had a write up. That, that we posted on our Twitter account. Uh, D1 Baseball does a good job of covering. Uh, Kendall Rogers does a good job of covering our, our sport, our level. And um, they just did a really in-depth write-up on our team this fall. So it kind of gives you a chance to learn some names, read about our team, you know, get get some insight from from our head coach on what he thinks about our team and kind of where we're at. So, you know, we're expecting big, you know, big things out of this group. Thanks to Coach Whitson for joining us. Remember, the FIU college baseball season starts Friday, February 16th in 2024 in the beautiful city of Miami. I highly encourage everyone to see baseball at whatever level it is. College, minors, 
international Major League Baseball. I love baseball. I'm excited about what they're building at the FIU College Baseball Program. Can't wait to see them in person. I can't wait to tell you what I've been drinking as I thought of this podcast. I've been recording it and editing it. In my hand, I have a beer called Creekside, a dry hopped sour from a good American local brewery called West Kill Brewing in West Kill, New York. I've been loving sours that have to have flavor. I'm not going to just drink a sour beer just because of that. I'm not that crazy about sours. It has to have some flavor. And this one, this one's good. Hold on a minute. Unfortunately, West Kill right now, it's cold. Just like New York City, even though West Kill is in the beautiful area of Hudson Valley. It's not Miami or Los Angeles at the end of December. (laughs) Wherever you are on this planet, in this country, thanks for listening to Last Call Baseball. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Io Saturnalia, by the way, that is that means uh, hurrah Saturnalia, because he was the god of farming and money, and who doesn't need more bountiful resources in the coming year? Be great, enjoy time with loved ones, and get home safe. <laughs>